welcome to another bonus episode of the Tech Meme Ride Home, another portfolio profile episode. Today, we are going to talk to one of the most exciting technology companies that we've invested in in the Ride Home Fund, um, and a very timely one considering what's going to be happening um, over the the first half of this year, we believe. Um, We're going to be talking to the founders of Nanome, which is a uh, VR company, but a very specific type of VR company. Um, Actually, let me let the founders do it. First of all, um, Keita, uh, introduce yourself. Hi, I'm uh, Keita Funakawa. I'm the COO and co-founder of Nano. And Steve. Yeah, hey, I'm Steve McCloskey, CEO and co-founder of Nano. So when I say that it's a unique sort of thing, um, it is because... This is VR, but doing really cool science shit. So whoever wants to to take this away, give me give me the the two minute sort of elevator of what Nanome does and why it's cool science shit. Like I said, yeah, definitely. Um, so at Nanome, we're building the ultimate interface for science, starting with uh, molecular data. So it's kind of like you know the Jarvis hologram interface that you've probably seen in Iron Man when Tony Stark makes a new atom. Uh, but it's real. Um, you know, we use off-the-shelf virtual and mixed reality hardware, um, and you can like download us on the Quest Store. Um, and so we make software for those devices. Now, at the very, very basic fundamentals, um, you know, if you strip away a lot of the other kind of features, right? One of the most kind of killer basic things, uh, and as I like to describe it, is like it's kind of like those chemistry kits that you might have used in high school. Uh, except you never run out of parts in VR and AR. And then on top of that, you can apply some crazy simulation algorithms. You can connect it to supercomputers and see the atoms and, and molecules wiggle and jiggle. Um, and so, you know, combining that with the latest, um, you know, in AI advancements and chem informatics, um, it's a really, really powerful tool for researchers to make breakthroughs uh, in AR and VR. So this is for chemists, for biologists, for people working with molecules, you know, down at the atomic level or, or whatnot. Um, the, so essentially when you say like the, the, the Tony Stark sort of thing, like, or, or the, what's the Tom Cruise movie one, the, the one where you can move. Minority with your Report. Hands. Minority Report. Right. Yeah. So essentially, because again, uh, or not again, but we'll get into how you can literally download this and demo it yourself. Um, you can stand there in in virtual reality and you can put molecules together and and manipulate them and, and move things around and do magic with it essentially yeah well you know science right because um you know through the api we connect with like real scientific force fields and you know the best practices calculations that are out there um so you could be you know working with your models very visually and you know tactfully you know in vr or mixed reality now um, and be you know interacting, kind of like grabbing the molecules, putting them into different positions. Um, but then you could you know calculate very specific um, you know interaction potentials to to see how well it's binding, uh, chemical properties. You know, really all, all this fun science, you know, chem informatics out there. This is the interface for being able to understand that and spin it up. So let's uh, get into your backgrounds for a bit. Um, uh, I'm assuming, obviously, uh, Steve, maybe Keita as well. You have um, a chemical or 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 bio, bi- biologist background or like a scientific background at the very least. Like, w- did the idea come from one of those? Uh, boy, this is a tool that I wish I had. Maybe I should just build it for myself. 
Exactly. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, like I'd grown up around you know, video games and you know, saw Minority Report and all the cool Hollywood movies. Yeah, I grew up in, in North Hollywood, not too far from there. So got a lot of exposure to that type of stuff. And everyone tried VR in the 1990s with the huge helmet on as a kid. And, um, you know, I just wanted a better interface for nanoengineering. So I was a, a nanoengineering student at UC San Diego, very new major, basically everything at the nanoscale dealing with atoms, molecules, uh, sort of everything below the size of a, of a virus. And um, I wanted to get hands on. Yeah, I wanted to be a real engineer with my atoms and my bits. And uh, it just wasn't possible without, you know, kind of putting on the headset and, and zooming down virtually and you know, starting to, to play with things and tinkering like a, a real engineer gets to tinker. So, um, yeah, this was my way of fulfilling my dream of being a nano engineer and the way that I saw that it actually had to be. And we found a bunch of other folks in, you know, biotech, drug development um, that really had the same vision. Like they wanted to be able to see if this drug was binding in the, in the pocket and, and kind of place it there and, and see all the interactions occur. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's been a, a very big need for for me to to want this tool and, and to see it actually um, you know come to life with our, our development progress. But then you know we get the same feedback from customers. Yeah, they've been dreaming of this for like thirty years, and now it's finally here. Yeah, and, and my background's not really deeply in the sciences. It's a combination of uh, computer science, uh, media, and economics. So my passion actually has been in kind of filmmaking, digital media, photography, and stuff like that. Uh, but I also really loved kind of like actual, you know, technology and computer science. Uh, I've been coding since when I was in ninth grade uh, and like uh, doing robotics and stuff like that in high school. And so I was always interested in like, you know, the arts uh, as well as kind of hardcore, you know, uh, computer science programming at the same time. And I really didn't know like what I wanted to do in my life uh, until I tried my first cardboard, a uh, Google Cardboard experience in 2014. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's when, you know, the metaphor I use from kind of an artistic point of view is like, this is what the painters felt like when they first experienced photography in the 1900s or something where it's like, oh my God, this changes everything. Um, and also it happened to combine all my passions at the same time, right? It was digital arts. Um, you know, I was able to use Unity and like code up a few prototypes back in the day with Steve, right? Um, and so back in the day, like, um, you know, so Steve and I both went to UC San Diego and like we were the only two undergrads that were uh, kind of seriously doing VR stuff um, on campus. Um, and so, you know, at that time um, and even kind of to this day, you know, there's a lot of like zombie shooters and roller coasters in VR. But I was always like, there there ought to be a better use for this technology, right? Um, and, uh, you know, so when Steve was like, yeah, man, like molecules in science, and I'm like, yeah, of course, like Tony Stark, like full on Jarvis, like, let's do this, right? So, um, you know, f one fun fact kind of uh, early on when I first met Steve, speaking of him, like wanting to tinker on stuff, like um, Steve converted his uh, car to run off of vegetable oil um in in high school uh or was it high school college right and so i like i saw that i'm like wow this is awesome like let's you know and like going down to the molecular level and he was like able to explain it like what's happening at the chemical level uh and then he would just do these hand wavy motions like oh yeah like you know th this part would go like this at the molecule level and stuff and i'm like man if only we could actually see this in 3D and like actually collaborate and talk about this. And he's like, yeah, exactly. Right. And so it's like it all kind of uh, came together when we met in uh, 2014, 2015. Right. So that actually leads me to, you know, one of the sort of like founding issues for you have a great idea. 
but the technology maybe isn't there yet. And so if we're talking 2014, 2015, this is when, you know, the Oculus Rift is sort of, you know, coming to the fore. Like, is it one of those things where um, it's like, oh, wait, technology might be ready for this idea? Um either if if that if that's part of the founding story or i guess what i'm kind of poking at is like is that something that y'all have been dealing with throughout the entire story of this company which is we know where we want to go and we have to wait for this platform or this technology to get to where we want to go yeah that's been a, a bit of it um yeah 2014 i got the oculus developer kit too um, you know, it was a six-stop headset with no controllers, um, and, and you know, there was only so much you could do. So you could, you know, show people that they could, um, you know, look around a protein. Um, but to try to grab it, you know, we had to use the the six sends like motion controllers um, or the Razer Hydras actually, and uh, it was very limiting. You know, it was, wasn't tracked that well magnetically, and then also it had wires. Um, but it kind of showed the concept a little bit, and then you know, we get the Vive pre-developer kit, boom. Then like that was a big deal because then we had good hand tracking, good head tracking. You, know, you get your hands in there, start grabbing things, and we improved the prototype. Um, and so like every hardware generation that comes out, we get to show like more of the vision becoming real. Um, but yeah, some of it is just you know waiting. I don't know when Apple's gonna release their headset or um, you know other hardware players, but this technology gets better every year, and it's not slowing down. And, and so every time that there's a big hardware improvement, it helps us, it helps our customers, and and it definitely you know gets to that you know far vision of like yeah this is going to be the ultimate interface for for science that everyone's using and developing new technology on. Well, what's interesting on that aspect, real quick, I wanted to add is yeah. that um, you know the uh, when we back in the early days um, on campus, like we did a bunch of like you know business accelerators, startup competitions, that sort of thing, that forced us to ask really tough questions about you know who's our customer, why are they going to use it, all these types of things. And what we found back in the day, uh, and even to this day, what's fascinating is that our users, like they've been the ones that were pushing for three D TVs, like buying you know the the green and red uh 3d glasses just to be able to get an inkling of an idea of the three-dimensionality of their molecules right and so um i feel like the you know it's not necessarily you know the uh our software waiting for the uh, uh, hardware to catch up but it's more i feel like the problem and the demand of our end user base that's always been wanting this that has been kind of you know feeling kind of the the supply side if, if that makes sense as well yeah and and it's also the, the this gets into sort of the use case of the technology which is you know mentioned at the beginning there's a lot of um games on um uh on VR and and AR and XR and stuff like that because that seems to be like sort of like the most obvious thing and and games is a good way into the technology but like you know people have been intuiting for decades that there is real practical applications to this um and it's it's you know i i make a lot of jokes on the show about how um mark zuckerberg wants us to have our meetings in in virtual reality with no legs but this is a this is different than that because this is like what he's imagining whiteboarding you know, and 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 plotting on charts and things like that, but taking them to the next level because what you, essentially scientists are able to do with this, it's sort of like, it's sort of like something that they couldn't do before in the same way that like before the spreadsheet, 
the spreadsheet was something that like transformed how things were able to be done by people. And this is sort of like that. It's not just you can collaborate. It's not just that you can show your molecule and here's a model or whatever, but like you can manipulate and you can collaborate in real time and you can do stuff that like was not possible without this technology. Yeah, they, they literally have been dreaming of this for, for decades. And, you know, they tried every system, you know, Silicon Graphics back in the 90s. Um, you know, it was like Hollywood using those and then the scientists are trying to get better models of their protein. And then you look at the cave systems, like they had these huge uh, 3D projector on every wall, the ceiling, the floor type of rooms. You have multi-million dollar setups um, just to be able to have that experience where, you know, you're with your scientific colleagues, you're understanding the protein binding pocket. You're kind of getting that three-dimensional view. Um, and, and, you know, now this thing is, is commoditized. You know, for a few hundred bucks, you get a VR headset. Um, you know, it's connected through the network, so you don't ever need to be physically located in the same space. You, know, you could be anywhere in the world. Um, and you can get a higher quality experience when you're interacting with that molecular data. Um, and, and like Kata said, you know, when we were at UC San Diego, um, we got to actually interact with a ton of, of researchers that were working on everything from you know, cutting edge nanoengineering and, and sort of biology in that field, uh, but even like computer science and, and virtual reality. Um, you know, there were researchers that have been doing this for decades as well, working on 3D user interface design or interactions, uh, coding their own you know, VR development programs for like scientific data and like anatomy data. And, uh, you know, that was all very experimental research, but, you know, we're in the position where now we get to commercialize uh, this type of technology and actually bring it out to you know all the scientists out there and hopefully you know create new scientists in the world as well well that's a good time to um, mention that that you can try this out yourself if you're if you have a um a quest uh or quest 2 or, or uh what what platforms are you on right now um pretty much all of them mm -hmm. except for ones that don't have hand controllers so essentially like hololens is the only exception got it uh, as well as like magically because they only have one controller but um uh, if you notice you know like pcbr steam vr um so index vive right like all mm -hmm. those um, mm -hmm. headsets um we're even on the the pico neo uh, business store as well so yeah well and um you can if if you if you don't have uh, VR rigs. Um, you can also go to nanome.ai, n-a-n-o-m-e.ai to see videos of like you know this stuff in action. Um, in the in the chat, <laughs> Steve just shared that uh, Balaji also made the same analogy that I did, which I did not know about. He says. Um, this is from a few years ago, a tweet where when he he used Nanome recently with a colleague, I felt like an accountant that had just seen his first electronic spreadsheet. So um, great minds think alike there in terms of analogies. But um, that, the context on that, that that was actually during the, the pandemic. And so mm -hmm. we were helping a lot with a bunch of pandemic research. And I'm pretty sure that's how he got exposed. So, um, well, OK, and, yeah. so who who is using this right now? Like um, not naming like, you know, clients or things like that, but like, okay. Uh, and, and let me, you can obviously hear listeners that Brian doesn't know much about this. Um, one of the beauties of having, um, great LPs in the fund is that, um, you know, I was able to lean on an LP that is a big time scientist at, at a big time biotech to, uh, demo this stuff with me. And he was like, Brian, invest in this. This is game changing. So, um, Explain to me who's using this now and what they're using it for, and and yeah. you know, right right now today, the the actual use case. 
Yeah, so so real quickly, we actually can share some of the names, um, one being Novartis, because we, we wrote a paper with them uh, that we published in 2019. Another one uh, is actually Genentech slash Roche um, that we just did a webinar with uh, in December of last year. Um, and so overall, we actually have over half of the top 20 pharmas uh, as our customers already, uh, as well as a, a lot of a, a few dozen um, like smaller biotechs, not necessarily top pharmas, but biotech startups and, and folks like that. Uh, in terms of the use case and who's using it, um, it's really we're focused right now on early stage drug discovery. Um, and so there's already kind of a, you know, a, a subsect of that called uh, CAD with two Ds, computer aided drug discovery. Um, and so that's pretty much where uh, most of our users lie. And those are like computational chemists, medicinal chemists, uh, as well as structural biologists. So really kind of cross-disciplinary teams that are working on the early stages of, of uh, drug discovery. Uh, but we also have uh, non, kind of non-biopharma customers as well, including a food and beverage company that we can't name yet, but uh, as well as um, uh, chemical engineering companies. So even though we're kind of focused as a startup, you know, uh, within our first vertical of biopharma, the applications extend far beyond uh, biopharma because, you know, everything's made out of atoms and molecules. And the the idea here is literally building the atoms and molecules and 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 um, block by block, you know, putting the Legos together. But also, um, I, you know, I brought up the the Zuckerberg meetings analogy. Like, so you can collaborate across teams ac uh, across the world, um, and and so it's showing off. It's not just showing off what you've been working on, but you can also work collaboratively together, right? That's a key part of this is actually the dream of VR made real where it's like, it's it's not just that um, distances and borders are erased, but it's also, again, doing the sort of work that wouldn't be possible in meat space, because you're able to do the sort of walk around it and take a look at it and make your point and make changes all in real time together. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you hold it in your hand, kind of point at different locations. Like there's a lot of analysis in the collaboration as well. Um, so like you could totally go in and make modifications and design your new molecule. Um, but now there's uh, so many tools out there that are uh, screening through libraries. Uh, you need to understand uh, the top hits and kind of select that even more. So if you have like a thousand top molecules, you want to get that down to like your top 20 that you actually want to synthesize and test. Um, you know, just that process of getting the team on the same page. Uh, to look at all that chem informatics data um, and see the three-dimensional structures like side by side and make the best decisions. Um, you know, that's done at a lot of group meetings. Um, you know, they have uh, molecule review sessions. A lot of the med medicinal chemists um, will be presenting their molecules and say, hey, these are the ones I generated. Um, you know, these are the different um, you know, scores and values associated with them. Um, maybe this is how they did on a physical assay, uh, like tests, like in terms of um, integrating experimental data um, and having that as just a data point. So th there's all these pieces of information, different AI generated molecules out there now, too. Um, but, you know, being able to decipher that and really, truly understand it um, as an individual is already hard enough. But then getting the group on the same page where everybody understands it and where to take the project forward, um, you know, things like that could save literally months of time off of the pharmaceutical development pipeline, uh, just getting everyone aligned on the same page and, and understand um, what's working, what's not working, what they need to kill, and what they need to do more of. Well, and, and this is another way to think of it, for those of us not in, in these fields, is this is almost a development platform too, right? Like you're, you're, you're testing things, you're able to 
almost like run um, experiments and like this works, but that doesn't work. Like, and so it's, it's, it's not just again, a presentation tool. It's also sort of like a development platform for figuring out what does work or, or, or getting ideas and, and, and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, just getting everyone, um, you know, they're in the same space. There's a lot of questions that come up and like, oh, what if we tweak that? And you can mm -hmm. just reach in and tweak it and, and, and like just get the answer to your question immediately. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that real time feedback's uh, really awesome for the uh, you know, collaborative aspects of the program. Well, and, and, and one of the other things that um, the LP told me is he was like, um, you know, this is an amazing time saver. Like, you know, this is one of those things that we mm -hmm. can we can do what used to take weeks or months of back and forth, and and we can we can do it in in one shot, and then immediately you know break a log jam or something like that. Exactly, and yeah, you know, we've heard stories about that. Um, yeah, you know, we've worked on case studies, kind of showing the you know immediate new insight leading to um, a complete change of either what molecules they were synthesizing or what tests they were running. Um, but yeah, yeah, just one little insight could really change your perspective on how you look at these things. Because uh, with science, you know, there's a lot of open questions, and you're trying to you know come up with some good ideas that you might want to test and validate or invalidate. And if you could, yeah, uh, increase the 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 feedback cycle, or I guess decrease the amount of time in that feedback cycle, um, you could just you know get so much more uh, you know good research and, and science done. So. Yeah, personally, like I want to see better healthcare, better technology in society, and so the more that we can enable people to move quicker, um, you know, get their drugs to market, develop new, um, even you know, flavors and and other uh, you know industries that we also hop with molecularly, I just want to see more of it. Yeah, I want I want to live in that crazy cool future world, and and this is you know our part to help us get there. Guys, we don't have to choose between hair growth and our health. Nutrafol's drug-free whole-body approach promotes hair growth from within. No compromises, just better hair. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement brand with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day. See results in three to six months. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in their hair after six months taking Nutrafol's men's hair growth supplements. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair for a limited time. Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter the promo code RIDEHOME. Find out why why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L dot com slash men, and enter promo code RIDEHOME. We're being sponsored today by a company on a product that longtime listeners know I have used for years and cannot literally cannot live or at least work without it. 1Password. 1Password combines industry-leading security with award-winning design to bring private, secure, and user-friendly password management to everyone. Companies lose hours every day just from employees forgetting and resetting passwords. A single data breach costs millions of dollars. 1Password secures every sign-in to save you time and money, any device, any time. 1Password lets you securely switch between iPhone, 
smartphone, Android, Mac, and PC with convenient features like autofill for quick sign-ins. All you have to remember is the one strong account password that protects everything else. Your logins, your credit cards, secure notes, or the office Wi-Fi password. One password generates as many strong, unique passwords as you need and securely stores them in an encrypted vault that only you have access to. I started using one password, what, a decade ago? Join me and over 100,000 businesses on board the one password bandwagon. Because right now, my listeners get a free two-week trial at onepassword.com slash ride. That's two free weeks at the number one, the word password, all one word, dot com slash ride. Onepassword.com slash ride. Um, if you don't mind, let me zoom out for just a second and um, ask you where you all feel um, the XR, VR, AR space is at the moment in the sense that and again, you know, if there's things that we can't talk about publicly yet or whatever, I get all that. But um, Apple, we believe, is going to at WWDC demo whatever they're going to do. So there's a lot of speculation that even though they're going to come in at the high end, um, you know, how many people will buy a $3,000 headset if that's what it comes in at? Questionable. But it's one of those things where Apple tends to prove a market. Um, you know, um, for wearables, for uh, smartphones, for, you, you know, you name it. And and so just at, you know, uh, a 30,000-foot level, uh, and again, like we've discussed earlier, like, you know, boy, if the technology is uh, almost ready for what we are imagining or whatever, where do you feel that the VR space is in terms of... Um, are we on the cusp of like a new era? Um, are are we still waiting on on you know mass adoption? What what both of you just for whatever thoughts you have in terms of um, VR as a space? You go first, dude. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's not the nineties, right? Yeah, you know, like mm. people in the early days in the 2015, 16, you know, it's say VR died in the nineties. What are you guys ever doing? And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, the technology was not ready. Like we didn't have cell phones. And so the fact that we have cell phones and, and miniaturized technology now, high pixel density displays, um, you know, that all really led to the current generation of VR and mixed reality. Um, so, you know, now I think that uh, putting that together, you know, a, a cell phone pixel display into a headset with a few lenses is kind of easy to do. Um, so we're seeing a lot more even like third party uh, random random developers like big screen VR developing their own headset. Um, so I, I think that headsets are, are not going away. Uh, the adoption curve has been a little bit slower than cell phones, I think, just because you know, cell phones had been around, um, you know, 90s, 2000s, you know, people had flip phones and all that. Um, but then the smartphone came out and it was like, oh, this is the obvious thing that we've all wanted. But there were enough people already onboarded to the whole like cell phone idea before getting smartphones. Um, so now it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that works in 2D. You know, I still do emails and like a lot of 2D stuff. Uh, but for the aspects of, you know, three dimensions, you know, molecules in particular without a lot of 90 degree angles, these things are really hard to analyze. And so I think it's the perfect time for you know, these applications where VR just makes so much more sense. Um, the R is being one of them. So I don't think that that's going away. Um, the developers uh, are, sorry, the head headset developers are getting uh, more into the business enterprise use cases. Like we've always been, you know, science, enterprise, business, like since day one. And uh, they've been very much focused on gaming. But now 
I think they're getting outside of the gaming entertainment world, kind of getting it into to more business applications. And I think that that's going to just be a no brainer for businesses that can save money and, you know, make better stuff for their business. Like, you know, if the, if the ROI is there, they're just going to keep going for it. Um, but yeah, like you said, Apple coming out with a new headset, you know, it's going to be kind of a new era of just consumer adoption and, and awareness. Um, even if it is 3000, you know, all the developers are going to get it this round. The next round on the Gen 2, hopefully the price comes down. Um, a lot more people just kind of treat it as a normal thing of like, oh, yeah, I got my TV, I've got my smartphone, and I've got my my three-dimensional thing. And, you know, whenever I want to do 3D things, like this is the best interface for experiencing that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I think Apple getting into the game is is going to be a huge leap forward for um, just everyone in the industry uh, to have it be more accepted as a technology that's here to stay. And that's going to just keep getting better with the iPhone one, two, three, four, five type of situation. Yeah, I'll say some some very quick things here. Um, the Google Cardboard was a double edged sword, right? Um, I think you know, pe- for people like me, I was like, oh my god, I know this is where this is going in a macro sense. I need to be a part of this, right? But for a lot of folks, it was just like slide in a phone. I guess this is VR. I get motion sick. I don't like VR anymore, right? And like we've, you know, Steve and I have uh, demoed countless people who haven't tried, you know, the actual like desktop, uh, you know, Oculus Rift or the Vive or even the Quest lately, right? Like people just think that the sliding into your phone, that's VR. Uh, and then we we demo these folks, you know, actual VR and they're like, oh my God, I didn't know it was, you know, like if when you have your hands and we can move around naturally, it turns out you don't get motion sick as much. Um, and so I think that narrative is probably going to be greatly amplified. Um, that's my prediction with with the kind of the Apple headset is that more people are going to be like, oh, this I could do kind of thing uh, rather than, you know, dealing with cardboard VR, right? Um, and then the other thing is the, I think Meta got a lot of kind of heat for like the half-bakedness, if you will, of the Quest Pro of like, is it is it consumer? Is it actually professional? Like, we don't know. And I think that a lot of it is valid. But I do think that there's a portion, which is that, you know, we've seen a tremendous amount of like really, really high-end enterprise VR stuff, which is great for like industrial use cases. You know, you're training fighter pilot jets and stuff like that. Like, great, awesome. But like for us, there is like this kind of, you know, um, uh, medium where it needs to be a li- little bit more scalable, like maybe essentially like high-end iPad si- uh, price point that allows it to be de- um, deployed in fleets, right? Uh, but still used in an enterprise set- setting. And I think that like that sort of headsets didn't necessarily exist before the Quest Pro, kind of with the Vive Focus 3. But, and now it's starting to, I think, catch on with the XR Elite from HTC and stuff like that. So I'm really kind of you know hopeful and bullish in, in that direction, if that makes sense. So to wrap up uh, again, um, if you want to see what we're talking about um, and you've got VR stuff, search for Nanome, N-A-N-O-M-E. There's also the website, N-A-N-O-M-E dot A-I. Um, But guys, uh, to wrap up, um, are there any asks for the audience in terms of if people want to get involved, if people are excited about this and and, want to contribute? um, just tell me anything about, um, you know, if, if people are excited about this technology uh, and want to learn more, um, how they can do so. Yeah. You know, one kind of quick anecdote here is that a lot of people, when we demo them, they're like, oh, man, if I only had this, I would have been a chemist or a biologist. And mm. my, my reaction is, you know, twofold. One is like, I'm flattered. But on the other hand, it's like, it's not too late, right? Like, buy a $300 Quest 
and like start learning chemistry, right? And you know, one thing that we didn't really talk about so far is like we have over 250 universities that use nanom as a replacement for the ball and stick models, right? Um, and so, you know, like I've had family members that are like, oh yeah, like I learned what you know, like what a hydrogen bond is, like just by looking at you know nanom and stuff like that. So definitely like download nanom, like learn chemistry. You know, it's a, it's a great tool to be able to just learn some really fundamental basics. Um, but you know, on kind of the business side of things, uh, you know, if you know you know CIOs or scientists, um, you know, drug discovery researchers, uh, send them our way. We're always trying to, you know, I mentioned we're in half of the top 20 pharmas. We're, we'd love to get into the other half um, and uh, continue to get a lot more uh, customer traction. So I, I would say those are the, the asks from my end. Yeah, I'd definitely like to see um, you know, more established biotechs and, and pharmaceutical companies adopting this. You know, We already have the privilege of working with uh, quite a number of the industry, uh, but definitely getting our word out there. Um, but in terms of like long-term you know, future, um, I think that you know you can download this software today, go onto your Quest 2 or whatever other you know, VR-enabled device, and start watching like content from scientists, like literally explaining biochemistry and, and all this stuff. So um, personally, I would like to see more scientists in the world. And so if you're interested in learning, there is a free version to get started, uh, sort of download Nanom, start playing with it. Um, but then you know, I also want to see um, you know, a world where um, there's just more like biotech science going on. So I, I do think that a lot of people can use this software to make new molecules, kind of share that with people. Uh, maybe everyone in the future have this uh, whole digital biotech economy uh, where people are able to you know, create things, share them with each other, uh, maybe everyone spin up their own um, you know, decentralized companies and sort of things like that to help enable the science. So um, yeah, I, I guess I'm a bit of a futurist, but not too late. Yeah, you get started even if you don't have a science background. Um, but if you do, I think you'll find it very, very entertaining and, and mind-blowing if you've been waiting for this. Uh, mind-blowing is is the right uh, way to end this. Like, I, this is one of those, you know, the cliche is hashtag proud investor. But, like, this is one of those where I'm like, oh, man, this is a, a, a dent in the universe sort of investment. So I'm I'm super thrilled that the Ride Home Fund um, is is participating with, with what you guys are doing. Thank you for both of you for coming on and telling us, telling us all about Nanom and um, it's just really exciting, awesome stuff, guys. Oh cool, yeah, thanks a lot, Brian. And uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Mm-hmm.